Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm so excited today. We have my mom with us, who I think is the greatest mom in the world. She raised six children, five boys and a girl. She's been married 42 years. She planted with my dad a church that's now probably one of the top three, if not the largest church in Louisiana. I've been doing that for 23 years. And on top of all of that, she did that while my dad traveled 265 days a year until I was 14. So this woman that you're looking at is a professional mom. Would you give a hand to my mom, Ms. Michelle Aranza? Mom, I'm so glad you're here with us this morning, and I'm excited because y'all are going to get to hopefully not hear too many embarrassing stories, but some, some good ones. But then today is just like the perfect trifecta met up, and I'm so, so excited about it. You ever have stuff that just you don't expect, and then it happens. You're like, oh, my God, this just made something that was good, great. Like, it just... So me and mom are just here reminiscing, and some of the stories I'm going to tell this morning, I go to walk out into the lobby, and my high school best friend that a lot of these stories happen with is standing in the lobby with his family. I'm like, what are you doing here? He goes, we were in town. We wanted to surprise you. Would y'all give one of my best friends over here a hand? Jose, he's been with me since I was 16, 17. Been in a lot of trouble together, but we survived. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, I'm so excited this morning. Mothers, and let me just give you this, not to, not to set the bar high, but everyone who was in the 830 said this was the best service we've ever done at Valley Rice Church. So you're in for a treat. I'm excited for all that God has for us. This morning, we have an opportunity to, to not only celebrate moms, but to champion you and to encourage you. We're staying in the same flow of the battle belongs to the Lord. That's the series we've been in. But I think today that's going to apply more than ever as we discuss what it looks like to raise children. And the, the beautiful thing about what you see is today is you're going to get two perspectives. You're going to get the perspective of, of what it was like being raised, and you're going to get the perspective of, of what it was like from the raiser. And, and let me just tell you, mamas, that helps. How many of you could, if you could see your children in 20 years in the outcome, that help you a little more? Yes. You, you'd go, okay, good. Well, I know I'm on the right track. Thank God. This is a, that's what you're going to get to see today. So I'm excited. Let's pray, and we'll jump into it. God, thank you today. Thank you for this opportunity to be together. God, thank you for family. God, thank you that family was your idea. It's you who orchestrated and instituted it. God, I pray today that you would speak through us, that you would speak to your people. God, truly, it's your property to speak to your children. I pray that you would speak today. I pray that you would draw us all closer to your heart, God. Every great thing about a mom is something you put inside of them. So, God, I pray we would see your character today. I pray that we'd see your heart. I pray that we'd leave here closer to you and closer to each other. Thank you for this time we get together today. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said amen and amen. Mom, you want to say anything? Greet everybody before we start. Happy Mother's Day from this mom to you, Mom. How many moms do we have in the house today? Keep your hands up. I just want a good little. How many you have a mom? I okay, good, love, good. You're seeing who the liars are. I love days like this because the title of this is The Battle Belongs to the Lord. And when I see a mom, I see a warrior. Yeah. I see a woman who's up for the challenge, someone who's ready to go to battle on behalf of what is her heart, and that is her children. So it's exciting to be with y'all today. And Christian, I mean, this is a miracle. Okay, this this is the house of miracles, and this is the miracle. Let me just start with that. Jose <laughs> over there smiling because he knows it's a miracle. No, it is a miracle. But I want to say this. In that first service, I met several people that were so precious, but this woman 
told me, she said, I've been through a bad divorce and I was out of church for a long time. I've been driving past this building for a year and a half. I came in and she literally started crying. She goes, this place has saved my life. And Christian, that is the fruit of your labor. And then that's my legacy that I get to see. Like what an honor. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, Mama. Thank you. Hey, I'm excited this morning because we are talking about the battle belongs to the Lord. And we're looking in to one of the greatest battles that has ever been fought, maybe. We're going to do two weeks, and I'm excited about both of these weeks back-to-back on this same person. But we're going to talk about Moses, and we're in Exodus this morning. We're in Exodus, and we're watching a choice made that may have been the greatest battle ever fought. Exodus 2, 1. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Maybe if you're wondering why any mom would do this to their child, we're picking up a little bit into the story. There's only been twice, really really three times in recorded history where there was a mass slaughter of infants. The first time was before Moses was born. Pharaoh came out and said, the children of Israel are populating too quick. They're going to rise up and take over. So from now on, every male that's born is thrown into the river and murdered. The time after that was Jesus. Herod found out there was a king coming, and he said, we're going to kill all of the children two years and under because a king is supposed to be coming, and so we're just going to make sure nobody can take my throne and wipe out anybody that might try. This is one of those times, and we get to see this, Mamas, I want you to think about the choice that Moses' mom had to wrestle with here. How many know Moses' mom's name? Anybody? Somebody has to know it. It's the worst name you could ever name your child. You know it? What is it? What is it? Oh, you don't know. <laughs> Jochebed. Jochebed. Come on, why would you name your kid Jochebed? I don't know. She must have been mad that day. Jochebed. And Jochebed had this wrestle with Moses. This moment that we see here, about this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Mom, how did you know I was the most special out of all six of your children? How's that? Honestly, probably about the seventh month of pregnancy, (laughs) I knew this child will be different. And then there was the long labor, and then I knew for sure. And then when you came out screaming, like screaming, I was like, oh. Wow. (laughs) Special. He's a special baby. Blessed and highly favored. (laughs) He's a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. I love this so much. We're going to look at a few different things here. But one of the things that I think is interesting to see here, she saw that he was a special baby and kept, kept him hidden for three months. Mamas, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes today. You are a protector of your children's innocence. Mamas, you are protectors of your children's innocence. Do you know what it took for Jochebed to hide Moses for three months? Let me, let me just... She had to disobey the government. The government was going to house to house. Y'all got babies in there? Imagine if she said, well, I just got to do what they say. Just so you know, inner time, there's a cross between what the government tells you and what God tells you. Scripture tells us we have to listen to God, not government. Just so you're aware. There's still culture battles being fought today, parents. You can still protect your children's innocence today from the world that we live in. Mamas are protectors of our innocence. I'm sitting here today, but inside I'm thinking of sixth grade. 
When I was in sixth grade, I was one of three kids that got invited to Nicholas Fisher's birthday party. And Nicholas Fisher was cool. Nicholas Fisher's mom had a Corvette. It had the top off of it. She smoked cigarettes in that Corvette. It was awesome. (laughs) We thought it was the coolest place. And Nicholas Fisher was having a sleepover, and he invited me, Brian Dooley, and Matt Prudham. And that was it, because we were the cool kids. I come home that afternoon, and I'm so excited. Mom, I got invited to Nicholas Fisher's birthday party. She does a sleepover. We're going to go ride around in the Corvette. We're going to go watch movies. We may smoke cigarettes. I don't know, but it's going to be an awesome time. I can remember like I'm standing there right now, my mom going, you must think I'm crazy if you think I'm letting you go sleep at Nicholas Fisher's house. <laughs> what do you That's mean? What, he did. what do you mean? I have to go to Nicholas Fisher's house. If you don't let me go to Nicholas Fisher's house, my life is over. You're going to ruin my whole life? Everybody that's cool is going to Nicholas Fisher's house. How are you going to rob me of this experience? I'll never forget that moment thinking like my life was over. Nicholas Fisher follows me on Instagram now. He's been married three times and still doesn't have a full-time job. I am so grateful you did not let me go to Nicholas Fisher's house that night. You're Thank you. welcome. Thank you so much for protecting Woo, me. Finally. From myself. Mama, would you talk for a moment about protecting? You had five sons that were curious, that, that were active, that were, and a daughter that you protected our innocence fairly well. In an internet age, in the midst of all we had, I'm, I'm sitting here, even as I'm telling this story, just kind of having this. Y'all know how you can close your eyes and remember when you're 16? Do you remember that? You just close your eyes and you feel yes. like you're 16. Yeah. So let me just, y'all just bear with me because I'm up here telling these stories that I feel like just happened to me, but my mom's also here with me. So just bear with me. And I remember after school one time, the girl who, the long story, we're in a car <laughs> talking about Jesus. And... <laughs> I'm in a, just a holy embrace. And I hear a knock on the window behind me. And the window's right here. I turn my head and my mom's face is right here. The true story this is... This side is another face and this side is my mom's face. True story, it was not just an embrace. Number one, and it wasn't holy. Number two, I w- he had just got off the bus. I'm picking him up like... How do you go from the bus to that? I was so confused. I rescued you from that you one, You rescued me from that, too. My God. Thank do you. Do you remember that girl? I do remember her. And you know where she is today? Here, in Houston. I, I was yes. Like, oh God. That's, don't say her name. Thank no, you, Jesus. Not. <laughs> not here in the church. Here in Houston. Yes, she lives here. Please, don't say her name. PTSD. On, on camera. Okay. <laughs> a little parental PTSD. <laughs> so, talk about being a protector of the innocence of five boys that all of us grew up, and and a daughter, yeah, but but, I mean, she was kind of like girls, y'all just kind of like naturally are kind, all of us were wild, five boys, not just, like we were all wild boys, like we were all strong boys, like none of us were like, oh, I'm just going to be obedient and do whatever you say, no, all of us were rambunctious, how? I have a picture, you can put the picture up of my family, just so y'all can see my tribe as a point of reference, that's my whole crew right there, so just, just, you get, you get the feel, right? That's us. Okay, you can take it down. So, protector of their innocence. Moms, a mother 
is not part of a popularity contest, yeah. right? So when he, I wasn't trying to win Christian's favor. I was trying to protect Christian's life. Yeah, it's good. Because there's a lot of things we do in life. We do our jobs. We have friendships. We take trips. But there is one thing we do that really is a holy calling, and that's to raise another human being and send them to a generation to influence that generation that you're not going to be a part of. That is like holy unto the Lord. And when I think of protecting, I think of, for us personally, friends. You always friend up. You know, your mama might have said, a person is known by the company they keep. But the Bible says, those who run with the wise are wise, and those who run with the strong are strong. And so proximity has purpose. And so we always made sure that their key friendships were friends that I would want them to be like. And because I was a stay-at-home mom, all the moms were working. I was a stay-at-home mom. We have a big home. All the children would come to our house, children that were wise and children that weren't wise. They could come and spend a Saturday playing in the backyard. But the children that I let into the close area of our life were children who had moms who were paying attention and doing their mom job. That was protecting because, you know, we say at our church, tell me your five closest friends and I'll tell you your future. That's not just for you, mom and dad. That is for your children as well. I love that you and Alex take that serious. Alex, I never wonder. Alex is a stay-at-home mom, and your house reminds me of what my house was. All the neighborhood kids end up there. Friend up. If you want your child to be safe, surround him or her by safe relationships. That's number one. Number two, I I know this is going to sound crazy, but I'm not crazy. My children did not watch TV at all Monday through Friday. The TV was never turned on, and nor did I. We're not a big TV family. I just didn't like it. I didn't want it in the house. We lived outside. They were in school all week. They had homework. They had sports practices. They could watch TV on Saturday, period. You know what the beauty of Saturday is? You have five sons who are in sports. So we went to games, to games, to games, to games. By the time they got home, they could probably watch about an hour and a half of TV. I didn't want a screen to be their primary influence. I did not want a screen to shape my child's future. I had them for a brief moment. And when they say, don't blink, it's over. Moms, how many of you have adult children? And know that that's true, right? You blink and it's over. I wanted to be the influence in my children's life and enjoy them. That's what I would say about protecting. Thank you. Yes, that's so good. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him. She got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. But when she could no longer hide him, mamas, y'all know there's a day that comes where you have to let them go, where you have to trust God. And I want you to just think of this. This wrestling between Jochebed of having this baby for three months and now taking her most precious prized possession and putting it into a river and going, God, I trust you with this baby. There's what only I can do, but God, I can't protect him anymore, so now there's what only you can do, God. And I'm going to trust you to take him and do what only you can do. But when she could no longer hide him, You know what the truth is, mamas? There comes a day where where you got to let us go. And mamas, y'all are launch pads. Number two, y'all are launch pads for our life. 
There was a man here that left the church a couple years ago, and he got upset with me. And the reason he got upset with me was because when I pray, at the end of my prayer, I say, in Jesus' precious name. And he would say, it bothers me that you say precious. I go, well, why? Like, Jesus is precious to me. Like, I love him. He's valuable to me. He, he's, he costs something. It's precious to me what he did for me. And as he, he goes, but why would you say that? And as he's asking me why, I'm asking myself why I say that. And all of my mind is unrolling to my mom who prayed for me every single night. The majority of the time, my mom, because my dad was out of town. And what she would say is, in Jesus' precious name. I'm still doing the same thing she did because she's my launch pad. There was a lady who got married and wanted to cook her husband an awesome meal, and so she got a roast, and her husband's watching her prepare the roast, and she takes the roast out, seasons it. She cuts off both ends of the roast and puts it in the pan. Her husband goes, well, why'd you do that? She goes, why'd I do what? He goes, why'd you cut off the ends? She goes, well, that, that's what you do. He goes, well, what do you mean that's what you do? I've never seen anybody do that. She goes, well, that's what my mom always did. Said, okay, so he called the mom. Hey. Your daughter just cut the ends off the roast. I'm trying to figure out why she would waste that. And she said, you always did that. Oh, yeah, that's how you cook a roast. Well, what do you mean that's how you cook a roast? Why would that, what, what difference does that make? Well, it's just why my grandmother, my mom always did it. So he calls the grandmother. Hey, your daughter and your granddaughter cut the ends off the roast. I'm trying to figure out why. She goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, before they put the roast in the pan, they cut the ends off the roast and they put it in the pan every time. I'm trying to figure out why they would waste that meat. The grandmother starts dying laughing. He's on the phone and goes, well, what's so funny? She goes, the reason I cut the ends off the roast is because it was too big to fit in the pot we had when we first got married. <laughs> I just couldn't fit the whole thing in there. Hey, mamas, you become launch pads. Your children will do what you do. They may sometimes fail to replicate what you say, but they will never fail to replicate what you do. So Hear what I'm saying. Because I've now got to walk life with a lot of people and even myself. And what I've learned is children don't do what their parents tell them to do. They do what their parents do. They are launched off of your life. Mom, launching six children, what was it like? Tell me now, looking at all of us grown, really, for the most part, being a launch pad in our life. I'll tell you, and you know, this the first one, and then there was the last one. They looked very different. So when my first child, who was my heart, graduated from high school, he was leaving to go to college at Indiana Wesleyan University, 16 hours from our home, no cell phone. We have the car packed. We pray for him. He drives off, and I literally thought I was just going to pass out. I was so heartbroken that that chapter of my life was closed forever. My moment of influence with him was over. I had him for 18 years as a primary influence, and now he left. I got in my bed crying. I called my pastor, and my pastor, who's so precious, he goes, listen to me. You have taken your mom race serious, and you have run your leg of the race. Today is a baton, and you are passing him off to God, yep. and God, who is faithful, will not drop that child. And I took such encouragement in that, and I pray you, Mom, take encouragement in that. Very much unlike when, Christian, you launched. <laughs> at 16. Just, you know, I left the house well, at 16. Christian, the, the front door was opened, and we said, Christian, baby, this house is too small for your, <laughs> your large capacity. You need to go to a larger place and grow and expand. So he left. Tell them where you went, Christian. Yes. So at 16, mm -hmm. I, and, and again, part of this was And I didn't even cry. I was like, my God. <laughs> she may have cried tears of joy, to be fully Jesus. honest. I felt unyoked. I, mean, I, 
I'm protecting his whole life. By about 15, I genuinely was. I was ready to he go. Was. I, he was. I was. I was like a grown-up at 16. He was. Like, let me out the house. I'm ready to go figure it out. At 16, I got sent to Detroit, Michigan, Highland Park, Michigan, to live in the highest crime rate area in America. My uncle had a church he had started there in an old X theater. True story. The church was in a X theater. Across the street was the Worldwide Peep Show. On this side was the Deja Vu Strip Club, and on this side was the Crown Transvestite Prostitute Hotel. And they sent me there and said, if you try and buy drugs here, they will kill you. And I believe them. <laughs> so they were scared straight before they had scared straight. You ever seen the movie Scared Straight? I was the reason they created that show, Scared Straight. So they sent me there and said, you, you got to go and, and learn life. And the interesting thing happened was that when I got away from my parents, the things I was trying to run away from my whole life ended up being the things that comforted me, kept me, and solidified me when I wasn't with them. Because I want to share with you all about your pastor, one more story of him launching in life. This is a true story, and I stand by it. Christian gets up in the morning. He's in college. He's living in Lafayette. We have coffee. He goes to college, and he goes to work, so I think. It's now dinner time. I get a phone call. And you know, Mama, your child, you know their voice. Like, Mama, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, my God. I'm cooking supper, Christian. What are you doing? He goes, I just I wanted to take this moment to share something with you. Uh, okay. He goes, I, I, I joined the Air Force today. I'm like, like randomly, you joined the Air Force? He goes, yeah, and I, like I'm in New Orleans and I'm about to board a bus. And so I'm leaving. <laughs> like, I, we won't be able to talk for the next six weeks. I love you. Bye. Full disclosure, it was a week, but I did live with my recruiter for that week because Alex's dad was no, trying to kill me. the whole time you were in boot camp. So listen, but be encouraged. I want to tell you, this is, this is a true story. When Christian was 15 and cutting up, he's at church, and our pastor, who's very prophetic, called him up, like sitting where you are, and said, I, w- I have a word for you. I want you to come forward. And he said, Christian, there's a scripture that says, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I acted like a child, I spoke as a child, but then the day came where I had to put away childish things. He said, it's time for you to put away childish things. Now, the whole church knew what Christian was doing. Okay, everybody knew. Everybody, I'm surprised he didn't get a standing ovation when he said that. <laughs> it's time for you to put away childish things. And he said, the Lord would say to you, the day is going to come where another man will say, walk this way, and you will walk this way, and another man will say, sit, and you will sit, and another man will say, stand, and you will stand. And I swear to y'all, I'm on the front row, and I thought, he's going to prison. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be so bad, he's going to get arrested and go to prison. Because where else would another man tell you to do all this stuff? I'm a mom. I mean, I'm like begging God, like, please spare my son, my Not precious prison, son. Jesus. So fast forward, I'm going to the Air Force. We go for his graduation boot camp. There's hundreds of men. Alex was there. She came with me. And there's three men that are leading hundreds of men. The general, the sergeant, and my son Christian. And he shined so much head and shoulders above the rest. They gave him responsibility over an honor guard. So they came out and they do this whole ceremony and they do all these marches and all these drills. And I literally took my husband's hand and I was like, another man will say stand and you will stand. Another man will say sit and you will, this is what Pastor Jim was talking about. That was not an easy launch. But the fruit on the other side of it, because I knew what was in Christian, because I put it there. Mom... Being a mom is not for cowards. When I say you're a warrior, you're a warrior. Take it serious because what you put in them is what, that's all they have to draw out of in life. Yesterday I had the privilege of going to speak with all the women in the Lafayette Parish Jail. And it broke my heart because I'm looking at these women the day before Mother's Day. And I'm like, 
one day their mom was holding them. Who dropped the ball on these children? That these women are being caged like animals. Moms, somebody didn't take their job serious. On the other side of it, I did launch. I launched six children who are all people of influence who stand with mics. They're all in ministry but one. They have influence over a lot of people's lives. Thank God I took my job serious. Yes, yes, thank you. Yeah. And and Christian gave me this card this morning. He goes, (laughs) That was her mother's big card. How the heck did you parent without the internet? I'm going to tell you. Exactly. Thank God I didn't have the internet. I think that's why they all turned out good. Because I, I just had to like, it was biblical principles. It was God. Yeah. When I was being raised, you raised your family familial. You parented familial. You know what that means? If you had a question, you called your grandmother. You called your mama. Yeah. You were raised by your cousins. That's being raised familial. When you raise with families, everybody wants their family to win, right? Yeah. One for all, all for one. Today, people are raising children on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. They're Googling how to raise a child. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God I took it serious. Yeah, it's good. Thank you. Exodus 2, 5. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter. Next one, next verse. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down Sorry, to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. I want you to just hear this. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and here's what I thought. Soon is relative. Soon is relative when you put your heart in a basket and send it down the river. Soon is relative when you're waiting years to see the fruit of what you've put inside of somebody come out. Soon is relative when your heart is on the line and you're waiting to see what happens to it. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down. I just think of the time in between her putting the baby in the water in that moment and the mama inside of her. I just want you to think about that. The moment she puts the baby in the water and it's floating downstream and now she has no control over it. Now she's going, but but what if a a big wave knocks it over? But but what if a fish jumps and Naya tips it uh, uneven and water fills up? What if there's a leak and I didn't seal it well enough and the baby just drowns? Soon is relative. And I think in parenting sometimes we have this gap that time seems like extended. And I always remind people, whenever we do stuff on stage, me and my dad get to speak together a lot of times, or we do stuff and people always go, oh my God, this looks so awesome, this is amazing, I love it, it's just like y'all are, it's great. How many of you, you can close your eyes and remember when you were 16? You just close your eyes, it seems like yesterday, right? Okay, that's how it feels for me up here. So I close my eyes, and I remember getting kicked out the house. I close my eyes, and I remember them going, hey, you can't do that. You gotta, if you're going to live that way, you can't live here. I, I remember those moments like they were yesterday. And so now you're seeing this, but you know what? It didn't feel like soon. Can I be honest? <laughs> it didn't feel like soon. It felt like some time. It, felt like, it, it looked soon to everybody else because they weren't involved in the pain of the waiting. Mama's soon is relative, and when you're raising children, soon feels like a long time, but it's really a blink of an eye. And one of the things I tell Alex all the time when we go, are we going to have more kids? I go, like, I know you don't have any more kids, but, like, I, I just think, like, as hard as it is 
I also go to my house and sit around the table I grew up at with my five siblings, and we all cut up and laugh and joke and go out and go on trips together and go to football games and have a great time. And that's so worth the 10 years of pain that it takes to raise them, to get them out of doing everything for them, most of them. Me, it was a little older. <laughs> hey, it's so worth it because soon feels like a long time when you're in it. But when you look back on it, it's not. And any of you who have raised children that are now gone, that you look back on and you go, oh, my God. That same thing I talk with parents all the time, like, what's your best parenting advice? You know what every single one of them says? You've heard it. What do they say? Maybe you haven't heard it. Maybe we're talking to different people. Don't blink. Don't blink. You know why everybody says don't blink? Because it seems like when you're in it, it's going to last forever. But when it's over, you realize it was a very short amount of time. Don't blink. Mamas, you're patient. You're patient. You're patient with the waiting. I'm so thankful that y'all were patient with me as God grew me. I'm so patient. When Westminster, the Christian school I went to, that you had to go like it was an academy. So it was like you had to wear uniforms. You had to walk in a straight line. You had to have your hands folded on the desks. You know what that means? That means they hated me. That's what that means. Because I was like ADD everything. Just touch everything, shake everything, look at everything. Until they discovered Ritalin. And then I was like this for three years. <laughs> That's a shame. Hey. But you know the story. You know the story. <laughs> oh gosh, yes, I don't want to read okay. So the head ma- we st- helped found this school, okay? So did a lot of investment in the school. So the headmaster calls us in and says, Pastor Jacob, Miss Michelle, we just so greatly appreciate your influence in this school and your presence. Um, we've stumbled upon a little problem here, and we just feel as though this school, may, this academy may not be the best fit for your son, Christian Aranza. And my husband goes, well, you may be surprised to find out that that was never my concern in the first place. I really don't care what you think about my son, Christian Aranza. She goes, well, Pastor, I think what you're missing the point. Christian is that child that he could convince everyone in this class to climb up on the roof and jump off with him. And my husband goes, wow, I call that government. I call that leadership. I'm paying you $6,000 a year. This is not a me issue or a child issue. This happens to be a your issue. So y'all just need to tidy up some things at the academy. Have a great day. And that's exactly how it went down. Hey, I'm so thankful that they were patient with me. Last month, the head of the board of that academy called me and asked me to come back and speak to all of the students. Yes, yes. So thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for allowing my process to develop God, for God to develop me, and for y'all to breathe all of that into there so that I could become my Mamas, be patient. Yeah, and I want to say to you moms, don't grow weary in well-doing. Life is about seasons. Seasons change. You have great seasons, and you have really difficult seasons. It's all part of the process. It's not your child. It's every child. It's called being a human. Yeah. You're going to have good seasons. Don't grow weary in well-doing, the Bible says. And I would say, if you just don't quit, you win. Yeah, yeah. My, my assistant asked me last week. We're sitting in the office, and she goes, Miss Michelle, like, she's been with me 23 years. She goes, but seriously, how did you really raise six children? She just had two children. And I said, Lindsay, I'm going to be honest. I did it the same way you, you're doing it. I did it one day at a time. Because moms, we can handle anything one day throws at us, right? One day at a time. God's grace is sufficient, the Bible says, for your moment of need. So whatever you need today, his grace will be sufficient for you. 
where we get tripped up is fretting about tomorrow yeah. that hasn't even yet come. You don't have grace for tomorrow. You have grace yeah. for Tuesday. That's good. That's good. And the other thing I want to add, I forgot to say this earlier. Because life is about seasons, it bothers me so bad when I see moms trying to be friends with their children. Yeah. If you raise, if you take your mom job serious and you do your job well, the day will come where you have raised your best friends. Yeah. I, all my children are adults now. No exaggeration. Every one of my children call me a minimal of three times a day. Every single day. They are my best friends. We're about to leave to go on our family vacation in Florida, and we're going to cut up like we're all in high school together because I don't have to raise them anymore. I did my job, and you know what? Now I get to eat, enjoy the fruit of it. And I, w I said this in earlier service, Alex, but I want you to hear this. I have four grandchildren. Christian and Alex have three, and my son Joseph and Rochelle have one. I never worry about what's happening in their homes with my grandchildren, and I can't even tell you what a relief that is to me because they're raising their children the same way I raised them. I don't worry about what they're watching. I don't worry about what they're eating. I don't worry about the friends they're hanging out with because they take their mom jobs serious. Do yes. not grow weary in well-doing. Yes, so good. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. Sue Farrell's daughter came and her tenants walked on the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women and nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took the baby home. And nursed him. I love this as I close. I think this is, is a, this is such an amazing culmination of this. Because what you see here, I will pay you for your help. When you raise your children well, your children are your reward. It's a treasure to you. You raise your children well, and then the reward is God giving them back to you. We are best friends. We do have an amazing relationship. She was my mom until she didn't have to be my mom. When we got married, I remember us standing there. You remember this? We're standing there, and my mom comes over. We had our mom dance. Everything's good. And it, as soon as the wedding's wrapping down, my mom comes over, and she pulls me and Alex in the corner, and she goes, give me all his hands. And she had my hand like this, and she took Alex's hand, and she goes, for 23 years, I have raised him the best that I could. He's yours now. And put her hand in my hand. <laughs> good luck. And her job was done. But it became the reward now. Now the treasure is that we do have a great relationship. We do get to spend awesome time together. The reward is the relationship now. And I, I want to say something. Moms, you know, we have this brief moment. If we had more time, I could tell you all kind of my mom fails. There are no perfect moms. Yeah. If you're someone here today and you're feeling discouraged, you're like, man, I'm, I need to up my game. Up your game. Today is a rise up moment, mom. Yeah. But don't beat yourself up. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up. One bad moment does not make a bad mom. Yeah, totally. You, you mess up, we all mess up. You're short tempered, I was short tempered. One time I told Christian that he aggravated the H-E double hockey sticks out of me. And I've never cussed in front of my children in my life. And to this day, he still tells people, I remember the day my mom cussed at me. I'm like, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. But you know what? I did feel terrible about it. I beat myself up about that. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Michelle, on your worst day, you're way ahead of the game. Mom, on your worst day, let me encourage you. 
you are way ahead of the game. A bad moment doesn't make a bad mom. Rise up. Take your mom job serious. This is a holy calling. Yes, a thousand percent. I will pay you for your help. When you raise your children well, they are your reward. And these moments that seem hard in parenting, I just want to give you some encouragement. For your life, for your relationship with your parents, for parents, your relationship with children, there's a moment in my life that I think back to a lot. You're going to remember this. And it was, it was the first time, maybe the second time, I'd gotten kicked out of the house. And we're standing in the hallway. And as I'm standing there about to leave, now, granted, I, I wasn't in my right frame of mind. I'd come home under the influence. I'd been cutting the devil's lettuce for a little while. And my mom knew that. And I'm sitting there, and my mom is furious at me, and she's understand nobody at the table realizes because I'm kind of one of the older children in the house and all my younger siblings don't and I'm sitting at the table with my Pause. face in a bowl of gumbo. This is the same child that about four months before and I'm telling you again I wasn't their friend I was their mama. I'm nursing my fifth son. My husband is in Guam somewhere and he comes downstairs to let me know with a bag that he's going to run away. It's like 10 o'clock at night and I'm like oh really and he has like an apple and a can of tuna fish. I'm like oh really you're going to run away. And he goes, yeah, I'm just like, I just want to let you know because I don't want you to be worried about me. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Christian. Okay. And I said, listen to me. I'm going to adjust that, that alarm system. God help you if that alarm goes off in the middle of the night and I have this sleeping baby. If you do that, you better run. Run, literally, because I'm coming after you. And he said, yes, ma'am, and walked back upstairs with his backpack. He didn't run away. It's okay. <laughs> I so, did not run away. So then, now we're at the cut so, lettuce days. Yeah, we're there, and, and there was a moment there, probably the most frustrated I've ever seen her. Definitely the most frustrated I've ever seen her. And in a moment of frustration, she, she said something to me. Uh-oh. I don't know how many of you have older siblings. I'm an older sibling, and, and we, we, we're friends today, but we never really got along. He was always, always a rub between me and him. But him and my mom were always very close, very similar. And, and just when we're younger, they were closer. Older, we're far closer. And standing in that hallway, not in my right mind, my mom, who's phenomenal, looked at me and said, everything your older brother Jacob has ever said about you is true. You are out of your mind. You are wild. You are crazy. You are everything he's ever said about you is true. And it broke my heart crushed me. I remember sitting there thinking, maybe I am. Maybe that is who I am. But the beauty of everything she had put in me was that that did not affect me because she had spoken so much life over me for so long that I was able to go, I think mom's frustrated at the end of herself. I don't think that's really who I am. Mamas, I want you to know, from that moment, to this moment, it seems like a big gap, but it was, it was soon. I close my eyes, and I'm in that hallway. And in a moment that seemed like the end of our relationship, a huge moment, this, this terrible, oh, my God, how am I going to get past this? Now is a great story that we get to tell. Now it just shows how good God was. 
because the faithfulness of her parenting and what they put inside of me proved that that moment was just a moment. It was not a life. Parents, you have the ability to speak life into your children. In the most frustrating and difficult moments, in the hard moments, when you fail and when you do it well, you're putting life inside of them that they're going to live on. They're going to survive. They're going to use that to be a launch pad into all that God has for them. And you are the helpmate that puts those things in them. They don't have any other way to do it unless you teach them. They don't know any way else. Those of you who grew up without a mama know that. You go, I, I don't know, I, I, didn't, I figured it out myself. I raised myself. I, I just taught myself that. Hey, if nobody teaches them, nobody teaches them. And we need a generation of parents who want to be parents again, who want to raise up godly children again, who want to plant them in the house of the Lord again, who have perspective past the moment, who can see past the Nicholas Fisher and see the Valley Rise Church. Because if I was with Nicholas Fisher, I may not have made it to Valley Rice Church. But she saw this when all I saw was a Corvette ride that seemed cool for the night. And, you know, I, I, we've said it so many times. It, there's one thing to fall in love with a stallion. My husband's a stallion. He is a Latino lover. He is the most romantic person in the world, and he has an engine that won't quit. That's just a blast. It's another thing to raise one. It's another thing to raise one, my God. Just take my word for it if you've never raised one. But look at me now. He's just like his dad is. And like, it's like the, the devil messed with the wrong kid. He just messed with the wrong kid. And Christian's coming back for vengeance and taking everybody with him. When he talks about all of y'all, oh, I mean, he's just taking everybody with him. I'm so proud of you. Thank I'm you. so proud of you. Thank you. I'm so grateful I didn't kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Let's pray. God, thank you today for mamas. God, thank you for every amazing moment, every hard moment, God, every faithful moment. God, it's you who put all of the amazing things about moms inside of them. Thank you. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you that they are our protectors. Thank you that they are our launch pad. Thank you for the patience that they have for us, Jesus. Thank you that they are our help. God, thank you. Thank you that you, you created them, God, with the strength and the wisdom and the endurance to be able to raise those children. God, there's a lot of jobs that women can do, but only they can be mama to somebody. God, I pray today that you would just refresh every mom here, that you'd breathe life into them, that they'd leave here encouraged about what you've called them to do, excited about their purpose and potential that they can breathe into their children. God, I pray that there would be a renewal of the, the urgency of mamas and daddies in this generation to raise up godly children. Proverbs 31 women, where it says their children rise up and call them blessed. Their husbands speak well of them. God, I pray that this church would be a church of women who walk in that calling. Mamas who know how to mama well, know how to raise godly children that impact and change the world. Thank you, God, for your love and your mercy and your grace, your relationship with each and every one of us. God, for those of us that maybe didn't have a great mom, didn't have that experience, thank you, God, that you were capable of making up for everything our physical parents could not give us. God, you're faithful, and you were always so able to fill in the gaps. We thank you. You may be here this morning and say, Christian, man, that sounds awesome, but I've, I've never really even begun that relationship with Jesus, man. Maybe you've experienced church, you've experienced religion, but you've never encountered a genuine relationship with the creator of the universe. Not based off of if you could perform or be good enough. Simply based off of his sacrifice on the cross for you and your need for him. 
that's you today and you say, Christian, I realize I need that journey with Jesus, that relationship. I, I don't have that. No one really showed me how to do that. I didn't have godly parents that taught me that. I need to start that today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is just between you and Jesus. I simply want to pray for you wherever you're at. But if that's you and you say, Christian, today I want to start that relationship with Jesus, would you just slip your hand up for me so I can pray for you right where you're at? Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down, and at Valley Rise Church, we all pray this together. So you can pray it out loud. You can say it under your breath. You can pray it in your heart as long as you mean it is what I ask. Would you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, today I recognize my need for you. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. You came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life, a life I never could have lived, but you did it so that I wouldn't have to. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus, I believe you went to the cross to pay for my sin bill so that I wouldn't have to. Thank you, Jesus. I receive your gift. And then Jesus, on the third day, I believe you rose from the grave to give me new life, hope, and freedom. Today, Jesus, I choose you I choose to love you, choose to seek you, choose to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty, powerful, precious name, and everyone said, amen. Would you give the Lord a hand this morning for all those who just made the greatest decision of their life? Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.